This episode is supported by Vegamore. I'm a month and a half into my Vegamore journey. I don't know if you've ever had a garden and planted seeds, but when that first little growth breaks ground, it's exciting. And on my very head, I can see some new growth in the areas that I've noticed hair thinning before. And it's exciting to see those little babies coming in. I use the shampoo, conditioner, and the grow serum, which have a lovely, mellow, warm citrus smell. I've been consistently using this and it makes my hair feel soft and full. And it's really important to me that I use safe and conscious products whenever I can. And Vegamore is 100% cruelty-free and are never formulated with potentially harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones. Elevate your hair wellness routine this year with Vegamore. For a limited time, get 20% off your first subscription order by going to vegamore.com slash mind and use code mind at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash mind, code mind to save 20% on your first order. V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash mind, code mind. Welcome to Mom and Mind, a podcast about maternal mental health from conception to pregnancy and postpartum. Real stories from moms and family members who have made it from struggling to wellness and interviews with experts and advocates who work for moms and families to get the help they need. We discuss very real struggles that can sometimes be hard to hear, but these are stories that need to be told so that moms and families can know that healing is possible. This podcast is meant to offer information and awareness and is not a replacement for treatment by a professional. Thank you for being with us today. This episode touches on topics that may be sensitive for some listeners. I'm so honored to have Lisa Abramson on the episode today to talk with us about her experience with postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis. This is a very important topic for us to talk about and know about, and I'm so grateful that Lisa is sharing her story with us today. We're going to hear about postpartum psychosis from her personal perspective, and part of the intention of the episode is to have the listeners know and understand that this is part of the human experience. It's serious and treatable, but it's part of what some moms go through in the postpartum period. I really want us to try and gain compassion and understanding for the women that go through these mental health struggles, as well as to offer hope for healing and recovery for women and families that go through postpartum depression or postpartum psychosis. So a little bit about Lisa before we get into the details. Lisa Abramson is an entrepreneur, speaker, executive coach, and maternal mental health advocate. She co-founded Mindfulness-Based Achievement, the new MBA, which teaches high-potential women leaders how to create sustainable success. The new MBA has been taught to thousands of women at Google, Cisco, Salesforce, Mattel, LinkedIn, Microsoft, the Stanford Graduate School of Business, and many other organizations. Lisa has given a TED Talk about her experience with postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis called Let's Talk About Postpartum Depression, and has been featured in Fast Company, sharing five ways to lean in without burning out. Lisa was recently honored as one of the 100 most influential leaders empowering women worldwide by EBW. Over 12,000 people have taken part in Mindfulness-Based Achievement's free 10-day meditation challenge. Lisa graduated from Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Tennessee, and lives in Menlo Park, California with her husband and daughter. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and share a little bit about my story. 
Yeah, it's so important, as I was kind of mentioning in the introduction to today's episode, how important I think this is for people to really, really understand. And you've done a lot of work to get the word out there with your TEDx talk and advocating for moms. So to start, I'd love for you to tell us about your experience wherever you want to start, wherever you think is appropriate. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, really, I think my story starts with just saying that I was completely blindsided by what happened to me. You know, as explained in the intro, I mean, I have a company that teaches tools for well-being and mindfulness, and I always prided myself on my mental fortitude. I hadn't previously been in therapy, and I'd say, you know, in general, people describe me as a really, like, happy-go-lucky, you know, just happy, functioning person, and really quickly, you know, within basically about two weeks after I had my daughter, Lucy, who's now two and a half years old, about two weeks after I had her, I really started to not be able to recognize myself in the mirror. Mm. I was, I mean, the sleep deprivation of those first few weeks just really, really took a toll on me more intensely than I realized. I kind of had a few combining events of the labor and delivery were pretty, you know, normal and not super eventful there. So I felt okay after the labor and delivery. But then, you know, like many babies that are here when you're trying to breastfeed, they lose some weight. And Lucy ended up losing, you know, more than 10% of her weight, which usually raises some red flags for doctors. But for me, that was kind of one of the first triggers of, oh my gosh, I'm not, you know, I'm not feeding my daughter. I'm a bad mom. The bad mom train came very quickly that, you know, I wasn't doing this well. And I was I couldn't even feed my daughter and now she was losing weight and then I got stressed about that and I ended up, you know, having to feed her every two hours because she was only taking the letdown milk and then not drinking any milk after that when I was nursing her. Then I had to pump the rest of my milk and then give it to her in a bottle. And as all the moms know, uh, that ends up, that cycle every two hours means you have about 15 to 20 minutes of a break in between after you clean the parts and do that. So I was doing that around the clock. And really, I felt like I don't know if I needed someone else's permission or if I was already in a fog state, but I felt like no one was in there saying, but if mom is running out of steam, it's okay. You can supplement with formula or we can talk about different solutions. I felt like it was like this was what I had to do and it really didn't matter that I was kind of wasting away and depleting every last bit of my energy. So that was really taxing from there. And then it just kind of, I think the sleep deprivation really started to warp my reality. And I ended up getting really confused. First, it was about little things, but then I was really just kind of terrified and ripe with anxiety in the Uh middle of also crying a ton during the day and feeling like, you know, I didn't want to be left alone with Lucy because I worried I didn't have what it takes to take care of her. I was just like, I'm so tired and I I don't know if I can do this on my own. The feelings of being overwhelmed, like it doesn't even, doesn't even describe how kind of incapacitated I felt. Like I can't possibly do this. I'm not doing it well. And each little thing, it was like, you know, could you put her in the car seat to like go for a walk in the stroller? It was like, no, that's way too overwhelming. Like I'm just Mm -hmm. so tired. I can't even get myself some food, let alone try to do an outing or go everywhere. So I kind of just felt 
pretty much just overwhelmed and then increasingly more confused. Yeah. Oh, sorry. If I can just ask you about how far in was this where you started to feel this confusion? It was about like two or three weeks in. So it kind of was pretty quick that I started to feel like, you know, my husband went back to work after two weeks. And when he left, I w- it very quickly went downhill of like, okay, okay, now it's all up to me. And it felt really hard. And I'll tell you this, even though I had a really, you know, supportive family, I have my mom, my stepmom, and my mother-in-law all in the area. So I had a mm-hmm. lot of backup help and actually a lot of people helping me, but it didn't really matter because of how I was feeling. <laughs> so did- I can say that even though, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, you had all the support in the world. I mm-hmm. did, but I still felt this way. Did anybody know or did anybody notice? Who knew what was going on? So, if anybody. Yeah, my husband noticed pretty quickly, like, you know, it seems like I'm not doing well. My friends, of course, noticed, you know, they were like, can I come over? I felt like I didn't want anyone to see me in my state of disarray. Looking back now, I'm like, okay, I'm a recovering perfectionist. So being barely dressed in milk stained t-shirts and no makeup, that was difficult for me, kind of feeling like I was falling from the standards that I had previously held for myself. But it was pretty, you know, quick. My husband and my best friend came over and said, I think you should talk to someone. I think you're having a harder time. Like, it's really hard being a new mom, but I think you're having, you know, a harder time than normal, and maybe you can get some support. So I did make an appointment with a psychiatrist, and it was the first time I met with her. And by that time, I think the bits of psychosis were rearing their head because I had a very odd experience there. And I I felt like she was out to get me this certain Mm. therapist and she didn't understand what I was going through. And she just sent me home with a prescription for Zoloft. And I just felt like, you know, I feel like I'm losing my mind and I'm just being given these happy pills. Like I was like, I feel like I'm going crazy, like, and no one understands this. So it was really terrifying to feel like, and I didn't have a word for it. I didn't know honestly, that it was even on the spectrum. I was like, I'm pretty sure that, you know, as far as I was concerned, new moms ever went crazy after having a baby. Like I knew about postpartum depression, but I was like, I feel like I'm losing my mind. I said that like so many times to my husband because with postpartum psychosis, there's bits of being lucid. And then there's Mm -hmm. times when you're off And that was what was so confusing that this psychosis waxed and waned. There was moments where I was like, I'm capable, I'm grounded. And then there's moments where I'm like, I just really, you know, didn't know what's going on. I, you know, one night in the middle of the night, I thought that there was like snipers up on my rooftop and Mm -hmm. the police were coming to get me because I just had this crazy delusion and I was terrified, but it felt so real. And then it would subside and I was like, okay, I could take a breath. But then it would come back out of nowhere and it got more intense as my sleep deprivation worsened. And I really, even though by that point we had hired a a night nurse to help us in the evening so I could get some sleep, I couldn't sleep. So there was like, you know, protections in place so that I could rest, but I couldn't rest in that state. And at that point, that was when, you know, my mom like kind of was there 24 seven and my husband was trying to be there as much as he could, but he still had to be at his job. And then I finally, it was happened to be the weekend and it was the day after my husband's birthday. I just was like, you know, at my wits end and said, you know, like, should I kill myself? Will it make it better? And Mm. 
because I thought I've lost my mind and who am I without my mind? This episode is supported by Ritual. I am by nature and nurture a bit skeptical. I have to see for myself if something works or if it's helpful before I just believe it whole cloth. And I'm open to trying things out to see for myself. And that includes finding strategies for my wellness. I have a historically low vitamin D, so it's important for me to take Ritual's Essential 18 because it has D3 in it. And their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has several other high quality traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. What I love and have always loved about Ritual is that it's a female-founded company, and it's a B Corp, which means they're holding themselves accountable, and not just long-term, but also to the health of people and our planet. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash momandmind. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash momandmind for 25% off. Support for today's episode comes from OneSkin. And for a limited time, my listeners get an exclusive 15% off OneSkin products using the code MIND when you check out at oneskin.co. Well, I've kept up my mini resolution of taking better care of my skin after consistently using OneSkin for several weeks and all is going well. I can't see what's going on at a cellular level, but I can tell you that my skin feels soft and healthy. But they did do some cool research that looked at before and after exposure of the OS1 peptide to skin cells, and the one skin scientist found that the peptide reverses skin's biological age. And you can even see that study by Zonari A. et al. in the NPJ Aging Journal. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code MIND at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code MIND. After you purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. New year, healthier skin. That's one skin. Yeah. Wow, that's devastating to feel that and to feel like that's the option. Yeah. I mean, how scary yeah. for you. It's hard enough when you're having difficulties and when you're stressed out, when you're sleep deprived to express how you feel mm -hmm. and to notice how you feel. How were you able to tell people what was going on for you? In that state, how did it come out? What are things that other people around you heard from you? You know, honestly, I wasn't talking much, but they just knew something was wrong. Like, thankfully, because mm -hmm. it was so night and day different, the way that I was behaving. Mm -hmm. I thought I was doing my family and a favor by, like, having, you know, I very straight face was like, should I go jump off the bridge? Will that make it better? And they were terrified that I was mm. saying this. And I thought, I'm being rational in this moment. Like, right. you know, my life is over as I know it. And this will be a relief to everyone, which is mm. just so, you know, now I can look back and say it's so sad. It's just my, my thinking was all jarbled up. And right. I, um, you know, had such a negative loop going on of thinking that everything was I couldn't get perspective, you know, and I teach mindfulness. And I feel like a lot of times and now in my recovery, I can kind of be the observer observer of my thoughts and really notice them from a distance and say like, huh, that thought that says you're not good enough or says you're failing as a mom, I can just look and say, that's a passing thought. Mm -hmm. That's not me. 
and I can kind of dispute that thought. But in that state of depression and psychosis, those thoughts were real and they were terrifying and they were right. debilitating. And I could not get a grip out of that. And so mm-hmm. it was, you know, very humbling to have that experience. Whereas I would say before this postpartum episode, I didn't really know that when a mental illness strikes, you really are on your knees to that illness. This is not about mental strength. This is something else. And so that was, you know, I needed, I guess, to learn that lesson. Mm -hmm. And it was, and I feel stronger and and more compassionate because of it. Yeah. Or you talked about a couple of things that I want listeners to really understand. One is very important that sleep was a huge, huge part of this. And sleep deprivation kind of made your mind switch over to this other place where reality was not what you were used to. It was a different reality, but it all felt real. And the other part is that you were not able to talk to people. A lot of this was happening internally. Mm -hmm. And unless people who knew you weren't paying attention, I mean, it sounds like in your experience, there was enough that was different that people could notice. But otherwise, this is a very internal experience and that you were not really able to say, I specifically need help. It came out in the form of maybe I should just die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And before you got to that such a place of desperation, that that felt reasonable. Yeah. And I think that so many people, family members, moms, whoever who's involved in the postpartum period of time really need to understand these factors that sleep is important and that a mom might not necessarily be able to describe how she's feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And I think adding to that, like, I wish I had known it was a red flag. Like if mom is given a time to rest, but can't rest because her mind's racing or she's Mm -hmm. scared or she feels guilty or, you know, wherever you're giving space for mom to rest, you know, a babysitter's there and a family member's there. That's a really red flag for, I believe, you know, anxiety and other, and maybe and for depression too, but I didn't really know that. And mm-hmm. that could have been helpful to be like, okay, we've, well, you know, tried to allow this restful state, but she can't get there on her own. Right. So in terms of your experience, how were people treating you? How did you feel treated by your providers, by people around you once you kind of figured out what was going on? And I guess, how did you even figure out what was going on? Yeah. So, you know, the beginning of the story is, is not great because I had that one initial meeting with a new psychiatrist that I had never met which is why now I tell all my friends, when you're pregnant, meet a therapist or meet with a psychiatrist while you're pregnant so that if you do need to meet someone in the postpartum period, you have a bit of established relationship and a baseline because I felt like I was going to meet this new person who didn't know me and frankly, like didn't really believe that like, you know, before I I had my stuff together and I was like accomplished and an entrepreneur and successful and all of these things. So it was troubling there. I only had one appointment with her before I ended up having that morning where I was telling my husband and my mom that, you know, I should kill myself. And then from there, my husband did what the provider told him to do, which was take me to the emergency room. But in my altered state, I thought my husband was taking me to jail. I didn't know that I was going to the emergency room. And I was frankly, really confused at that point, why I was at a hospital. I didn't know that You would go into a psychiatric hospital, like via the emergency room. Like all of this was Mm -hmm. very foreign to me. Right. Ended up in the psychiatric ward and 
spent 10 days there because in my state, I was terrified. I really had no idea why I was there. And I wasn't. Nobody was talking to you about it? No one was explaining? I wasn't talking to anyone. I think that was my kind of self-preservation was feeling like, you know, no one's going to understand me. They've already taken my baby away. Like, I'm not giving them anything else. Like, you know, life is over as I know it. And I'm not participating anymore. So I think I just shut down. And in the end, that's sort of why I ended up staying quite a while longer maybe than other people would because I didn't feel understood there because there weren't mothers treating me and it was mostly men. And the psychiatric ward is a terrifying place. I was alongside, you know, one day, a couple days in, I remember there was a man he like came in to the psychiatric ward in a dog cage because he thought he was a dog. And there was, I'd walk down the hall and see, you know, someone like strewed out on the floor, like convulsing from drugs or other withdrawal symptoms. Like I was, you know, the skinny, petite, blonde woman in her Lululemon outfit in mm-hmm. this psychiatric ward. Like I couldn't have stuck out like more of a sore thumb. And it was terrifying for me. So it I kind of did think I was put in jail. I didn't really know it was a hospital and anyone was trying to help me, which I can kind of laugh at now because I'm like, I think that this was all protecting me because I was sort of in a a fudge state or like a cloud of fog. So Mm -hmm. I wasn't too lucid in most of the hospitalization. And unfortunately, the head resident said to my mom, you know, oh, postpartum depression. Like, I haven't heard of that. I'm going to need to look it up in the books, which was terrifying. And I live in San Francisco. No. Yeah, but wow. Thankfully, I got out after 10 days and Lucy was able to visit after the first 2 days. She was there every day for a few hours and I got to just hold her. I had stopped, of course, breastfeeding by there, but I, you know, could give her her bottle um, of formula and we got to spend a little bit of time together, which was really nice. So, how old was she at this point? Like 3 weeks old or a month old, not even. So all of your experience came on really, really hard and fast. This wasn't yes. like strung out over months, this intense part that you're describing. Yeah. She was born on January 5th and I was hospitalized February 10th, mm-hmm. which is now I learned typical of postpartum psychosis. It can be a sudden onset like pretty mm-hmm. quickly. So right. I ended up getting out of the hospital and thankfully my husband found a therapist that specialized in maternal mental health. And she recommended this program called the Moms Program out of El Camino Hospital down in the peninsula, kind of about an hour south of my home. And we decided because that was the best outpatient program and it was specialized, you know, for moms that I should, you know, we should move in with my family. And we ended up living with my family for a couple of months while I attended that program four days a week for, you know, maybe a half a day each day. And that was really great. I mean, I was so lucky to have a program that specialized in moms. And we ended up having maybe five or six moms in the program. And one of the moms also had postpartum psychosis. And that was really the first time where I said, okay, like this is a real thing. Mm -hmm. Because that was a lot of my struggle was like, what? Like this can't be real. You know, Mm -hmm. I thought my husband in the hospital actually against the advice of the doctors 
brought me a handout that he had printed from Postpartum Support International that described postpartum psychosis and said, hey, Mm -hmm. I just want you to know like this is what you have. And that was a huge turning point for me because I didn't believe it was real at that point. But I thought, Mm -hmm. my husband loves me so much. He created a fake website for me and a fake (laughs) illness (laughs) so that I would feel okay. And that was honestly when I turned a corner. And because, of course, when your mom and your husband leave you locked in a psychiatric ward, you you lose some trust in them. You're not sure if they're thinking about your best interests. So it was a complicated uh, thing there. And then I felt like, oh, my husband's on my side again. Like, Mm -hmm, he's mm -hmm. here for me, where I wasn't quite sure um, because it was very confusing, all of this. This episode is supported by Factor. Eating better is better with ready-to-eat Factor meals. And ready to eat means pop it in the microwave for two minutes and done. I mix in a few of these meals into my rotation for the days that we're on the run or that I don't want to make anything. I chose the high protein and calorie smart options, one of which is the mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice with garlic roasted green beans. This is restaurant quality and so tasty. I can adjust how many meals I get in my order as much or as little as I need every week. Plus, I can pause or reschedule my deliveries anytime, which comes in really handy for our busy schedule. Head to factormeals.com slash momandmind50 and use code momandmind50 to get 50% off. That's code momandmind50 at factormeals.com slash momandmind50 to get 50% off. This episode is supported by Hungry Root. I am a creature of habit when it comes to food, like I buy the same stuff in the store and generally make the same stuff over and over. Not really that fun. So in order to shake things up, I use Hungry Root. I can pick a whole meal and they send me what I need to make it, but I will also just let them choose so I don't get into my rut. And it paid off. I got the chicken shawarma non-flatbread. These are flavors that I wouldn't have thought to put together on my own, and they totally work. It was so yummy and so easy to make. And bonus, I also received for free organic roasted chicken breast that I threw into a salad for another meal. Hungry Root is my partner in healthy and yummy living. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Mom and Mine listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash cat to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash cat. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. So it sounds like there was a couple of things along the way that you really needed but didn't know about. Certainly there was the one psychiatrist and then this other provider within the hospital Mm -hmm. who totally missed what was really going on. What do you think you really needed What would you have wanted looking back on this now that would have helped you more? Yeah, I think awareness is really important. Just like what's the whole spectrum of what you can experience. So I think that would have helped to just know it was a possibility Mm -hmm. and that, you know, I wasn't alone. Like the community, realizing like there's other moms out there that had similar experiences was so healing and so helpful, which is a big part of why I share my story. You know, as you can tell, it still is is very emotional, but I feel called to tell the story because I know it can help so many new moms. And then I think, you know, the pressure to kind of do it all and make it look easy which had kind of a belief that it served me well up into this point. And then just Mm -hmm. having a baby when you're like, yeah, there's just so you can't really 
can't do that anymore. It's messy. Mm -hmm. It's complicated. It's difficult. And I wish I had someone beside me, like my therapist now is just like, you know, those aren't realistic expectations. And Mm -hmm. of course, you're going to feel bad about yourself when you're setting these insanely high standards of or thinking, you know, oh, I'm going to get in my skinny jeans like two weeks after birth. It's like try, you know, nine months or 10 months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you right. know, it's just like all of the expectation about your body, about, you know, that breastfeeding, oh, it'll be easy and I'll do it out at the park and I'll just, I'll take my daughter everywhere and it'll just be really, you know, rainbows and sunshine. And, and it wasn't. And I, it was hard to kind of come down from that it was a vision of one thing and it was something else. So after you were able to get the help in the program, it sounds like you went on to have additional therapy and support. You just talked about the things that you've been learning about lowering your expectations in terms of your own productivity as a mom and letting go of this idea of perfection. So it sounds like you learned a lot of new ways to think and cope and manage. Are there other things that you're using now to help you maintain your feeling better? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And and I'll say too, you know, for about six months, I was using medications, uh, antipsychotics, antidepressants, and an anti-anxiety medication. And those were absolutely essential in my recovery and were needed to, I think, pull me out enough so that I could end up getting a lot out of my therapy and like growing. Mm -hmm. But I definitely needed the medications. We ended up hiring a night nurse every night for three months, which was a, you know, huge expense, but was, I think, part of why I recovered so quickly, because Mm -hmm. I slept, you know, 10 hours every night for three months, because that was like, my brain needed to heal, and it needed sleep to heal. I exercised every day, because that helped me release stress and made me feel good. I restarted my meditation practice, which has always been important to me, but is hard to do when you have a little one. But it is fun. I'll tell a little story that this morning, my daughter came and sat with me on my meditation cushion for 10 minutes and was quiet, just sitting there. You know, sometimes she's like, where'd you get this table? Like she comes up (laughs) with a, or like, put this blanket here. But it was a really funny experience. Kind of like, you know, my mind's wandering too and hers is, but she's sitting here and it was very, very precious. So yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, too, you just realize the first year is it's really hard, but then now I feel like uh, Lucy and I have a, you know, wonderful relationship and she is able to, you know, do things with me that I love to do. And I'm able to, you know, play puzzles with her and do the things she loves. And we can kind of meet there. The first year, you know, there's there's a lot of giving outwards from the mom and there's not much that's returned. You get a smile or a giggle once in a while, but it is really, (laughs) it's a lot of giving and being compassionate with yourself that it doesn't make you a bad mom to acknowledge that it can be draining to give constantly. So the things I do now to really you know, watch after my well-being. I'm still in therapy because I think that that's essential. There's always something you can learn and grow from in that process. And I'm much more mindful of my sleep and my stress than I ever have before. I, you know, sometimes 
do acupuncture. I started that up again. I practice yoga. I meditate, eat a healthy diet. But I really, I take my sleep seriously. So if I have a yeah. bad night of sleep, I'll, I'll take a nap during the day because I am an entrepreneur and I can have flexibility in my schedule. But I will yeah. try to make that happen so that I don't, yeah, I just don't mess around with it anymore. Great. Uh, these are this is so valuable for the people listening. You know, everyone's experience in the postpartum period is different, but based on what you're describing, this level of sleep deprivation plus the level of pressure that you had on yourself and, you know, whatever else went into that period of time, that can happen to anybody. Yeah. And the lessons that you've learned from it were very hard learned in terms of, you know, protecting your sleep and being easier on yourself, to put it lightly. Mm -hmm. But I think that's why a story like yours and your experience are so important for people to hear about, because you're not, you know, like these things we hear on the news and how these stories are just we're given these snippets of this intense thing that happened to this mom. And oh, my gosh, you are a real person. You had a very real experience and very difficult experience. And I think it's really important for people out there to understand and be compassionate about this. Be understanding and be supportive and learn so that we are treating mothers with more respect instead of, you know, adding to this feeling that you already had of you need to be perfect. That's such a disservice to mothers. And by you sharing your story and your experience, you are putting it out there that, hey, you know, we don't need to do this to moms. We need to take better care of moms. And you're taking such good care of yourself and your family. Yeah. And I think to not feel guilty for taking care of yourself. Like when you fill your cup, you have more to share with your family and with your children. Mm -hmm. But it, you know, I feel like that is going against the grain of some of what we hear. We think about of like this ideal of a self-sacrificing mom that Mm -hmm. is just looking out for her um, children. And I have a friend who experienced a more milder version, but still experienced postpartum depression. And she said, you know, in some ways, I feel like, you know, you had it easier because it was so clear that everything, you were so unwell, that then no one questioned in your family and in your support system, how much support you needed. And Uh it was like, the fire alarms went off. And then it was like, okay, we're going to just all hunker down and support Lisa and she was like, in my case, because it wasn't as severe, it was really hard for me to advocate for like, I do need, we need to invest in me right now to like Mm -hmm. have help with a nanny during the day, even though I'm not working, because Mm -hmm. I need to sleep, you know, and I need a break. And she said it was much harder for me to make that argument for myself. And I think Mm -hmm. all new moms were so exhausted. And then we're like, the thought of even having to advocate for yourself is really can be overwhelming because you've yeah. got so much else going on. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, families can really be supportive by taking preventative steps and saying, yeah. let's not wait till mom is like at her brink to then support her, but let's really support her throughout the postpartum period. Absolutely. That's so, so important and so well stated. Thank you for for making that point. It is. We can be preventative. We don't have to wait until, you know, like you said, the fire alarms are, are going off. That's such a, an important part of something that, you know, even for moms who are listening now and preparing for their postpartum or even during their pregnancy, if they feel these symptoms coming on during pregnancy, that being as preventative as possible really, really can help. 
That's such a good point. You know, Lisa, I so appreciate you sharing your story today. This is a really powerful story, powerful experience that you had in terms of just how intense it was, how terrifying it was for you, and what you did to survive and get through. You did everything you could and you got through. And it, it takes a lot. It's, it's hard to feel like you're doing, that you're surviving and that you're fighting when you're in the middle of it, but you totally did. And you made it out and you're making the changes, you know, may not have known that you needed before, but now you know very clearly that these are the things that help keep you healthy by taking care of yourself. I thank you so much for sharing this with us. Oh, well, thank you so much. And I really just, you know, anyone that's listening, like, you know, whether your symptoms are, you know, as extreme as mine, or you feel like I'm not sure if this is, you know, baby blues or it's something more like seek help and get support. It's okay. Like if you go to meet with a therapist and they say, this is just part of the normal postpartum experience, like that's great new knowledge that you have. So I think Mm -hmm. it's such a win-win to ask for help and not be afraid to ask for help. And I think, you know, I feel like I'm a stronger mom, a better mom to Lucy because I got help because I think I'm showing her what it means to be courageous is like, you know, to ask help when you feel like you need it is really what I want to model to her. And I just feel like, you know, it was an extreme experience. I don't wish it on anyone. But I also know that I grew and transformed through it. And I feel like I've ended up stronger and better equipped to, you know, be a mom, be with my family and even to be, you know, be an entrepreneur. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And best wishes to you on your continued healing and recovery. And if you guys who are listening, if you want to hear Lisa's TEDx talk, you can look it up on YouTube. It's called Let's Talk About Postpartum Depression. And you can also reach her on Twitter at Lisa A. Abramson. And from what I think you said, Lisa, is that you're very open to talking to other people who will reach out to you. Absolutely. Okay, great. So you guys check out the TEDx talk, reach out to Lisa. Certainly if you are experiencing any of these feelings or symptoms for yourself, or if you're listening and you have concerns about a family member, please reach out and Postpartum Support International, as Lisa mentioned, Postpartum Progress is another resource and look for information and get the help that you need. Thank you, Lisa, so much. Thank you so much for having me. By joining us today and listening, you're a part of the growing community of people who are aware and concerned for mothers and families during this beautiful and sometimes very difficult time of life. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this free podcast so that Mom and Mind can be found by moms, families, and providers who will benefit from hearing our talks. If you or someone you know is having a hard time, help is available. Please look for resources for help at momandmind.com where you will also find links and information from today's episode. Thank you for listening and being a part of the Mom and Mind community. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, 
tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. 